you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 is going to be our focal passage today. Can you believe that it is the first Sunday of 2019? Can you believe that? I mean, to me, it just seems like we were just entering into 2018. Do you know what changes with the new year? The date, that's what changes, okay? The calendar changes, it's another day, another number on the calendar. Instead of saying 2018, it says 2019. But the new year is a perfect time for us to stop a little bit and to really ask ourselves some questions to evaluate our lives and ask this question. Are there some areas in my life where I... I need to change. We talk a lot about resolutions. Webster's Dictionary defines a resolution as the act of determining. And there's a reality here that very little changes if you don't determine to do something about it. So what are you determined to do in 2019? What are you determined to change in 2019? My basketball coach used to tell me when we were shooting free throws, he'd say, okay, Lash, before, before you shoot that free throw, you need to envision the ball going through the hoop. And so I would do that over and over again. It never worked. I'm kidding. But uh, uh, he said if you would envision the outcome, it helps you have more success. And before you start making lists before you start saying, okay, this is what I'm going to do differently. I'm going to change all this. And suddenly everything's going to be fixed. I I want you to encourage, I want to encourage you to envision something. Envision yourself being the person that God wants you to be. See, a lot of times we focus on, these are all the things that I want to do, but how often do we really just focus on saying, okay, this is the person that God wants me to be. Have you ever envisioned that? Who does God want you to be? Now, this is a good question. What does God want me to be? And don't overcomplicate this. I realize that in each of our lives, there are some specifics that look different. However, there's also a general basic answer to this question. What does God want you to be? He wants you to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 28 And verses 18 through 20, there's a very important passage in the New Testament. We call it the Great Commission. This was the passage that really became the marching orders for the early church. You can see it up here on the screen. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then he ended it with these words, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and remember I am with you always to the end of the age. You see, Jesus' vision for you is that you would be a disciple, that you would be a follower of him. And his vision for our church is that we would help you be a disciple who is growing spiritually. What did he tell his followers to do? Go and what? Make disciples. 
So this brings up an interesting question. What does a disciple look like? What is a disciple? And you see in this passage that there are six things about disciples who are growing spiritually that we need to take note of. First of all, disciples live under the authority of Jesus Christ. He says, all authority has been given to me, and therefore I'm telling you to do this. Now, I want you to know this. This is important for you to get. As you go into 2019, you live under the authority and love of a gracious God who has all authority in heaven and in earth. What this means is that no matter what happens this year, no matter where God sends you, no matter what He does, no matter what happens, you never escape the hand of a sovereign God. And that God loves you, and He cares about you, and He has plans for you. Secondly, we see in this passage that a disciple goes. A disciple is active. It's not just about taking in, but a disciple goes. And what does a disciple do as he or she goes? The disciple makes other disciples. Thirdly, we see that a disciple has a big vision for the church and for the gospel. They desire that all nations might hear of the name and fame of Jesus Christ. What is the scope of Jesus' vision for the church? That every man, woman, boy, and girl might hear the message of Jesus Christ. Fourthly, disciples share the good news. Part of being a follower of Jesus Christ is that you share the gospel with other people so that they might hear and they might believe, and then they can be baptized. When someone is baptized, they come into the church body. And so a disciple goes and shares the message of Christ so that others might believe. And then fifth, a disciple lives a disciplined life of obedience to God. What did Jesus say? He said, teach them to obey or observe what I have taught you. Have you ever thought about this? The word disciple is contained within the word discipline. There are disciplines in being a disciple. A disciple is to obey. And then six, disciples never walk alone. Jesus said, hey, remember this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And as we baptize people into the congregation and new believers take root within our church body, we walk together. And part of the beauty of a church is that we help one another grow spiritually and closer to the Lord. Now, some of you may be saying, okay, Lash, hold on just a second, because I have a question, time out. You have these lashisms, as people call them, and one of my lashisms is that the gospel is not about behavior modification, it's about heart transformation. I say that quite, quite frequently, and so you say, now isn't spiritual growth, if I want to grow spiritually, isn't that just something that God just does in my heart? Well, yes, and, and you're correct in this uh, to a point, uh, but, but, but it's more than you just show up, hang around the church, and, and suddenly you, you grow spiritually. Spiritual growth is ultimately an act of God in your heart. I can't say, hey, do these things and you're going to grow spiritually. Because God has to do something that goes beyond us. But there are some things that people who are growing spiritually do. And there are th things that you can do that will help you grow closer to God, and grow spiritually. 
And that's what I, you know what, you know what I get up living and breathing for each day? To see you grow spiritually. To see you grow closer to the Lord. To see the truth of the Lord and the power of the Lord take root in your heart. That's, that's what drives me as a pastor, to see you grow spiritually. I want this for you. On a scale of 1 to 10, how connected are you to God right now? You don't have to give me the number, okay? But if you had to be really honest with you, a scale of 1 to 10, how, how connected are you to God? You have to ask yourself some questions. Am I a biblical thinker? Or am I a Google thinker? <laughs> what, what frames my opinions, my perspective of life? Where do I find eternal truth, morals, ethics, who I am, what I'm supposed to be about? What's shaping my thinking? Am I a victim of circumstance? Or am I a person of purpose? The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, this is a verse that has really spoken to me over the last few weeks. You ever, ever have this happen in your spiritual life? You kind of stumble across a verse and then you just can't shake it. God just uses that verse over and over and over again in your life and you just keep coming back to it. Well, this has been one of those verses for me the last couple of weeks. All things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to His purpose. It doesn't say that all things are good. There are some bad things in this world, but we have a loving, sovereign God who can take anything that comes into your life, the circumstances of your life, and He can weave them together for good, for His glory and for your good, when we are called according to His purposes. You don't have to live life as a victim of circumstances. Things have happened. People have done things they shouldn't. You've gone through things that were rough, but God has called you to be a person of purpose. And a disciple lives on purpose, and God has a purpose for your life. He doesn't want you to just drift through 2019 and be able to say at the next year, well, I survived to live another year. And to discover God's purpose, to grow spiritually, there are some things that you and I can do and we can purpose to do in our lives. These things that we do to grow as a disciple are what we call the spiritual disciplines. Christians have been using that term for centuries, the spiritual disciplines, these things that we do in order to draw close to God so that we might hear from Him. So let's fast forward the clock one year from today, I would love for you to be able to say 2019 was a year that I truly grew in my spiritual life. 2019 was a year that God spoke to me, that I heard from God, that He challenged me, that my faith increased. 2019 was a year that I will never forget because it was a year that I truly matured in my walk with the Lord. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to be talking to you about some spiritual disciplines that can help turn that prayer, that dream, into a reality. And the first discipline that I want to talk to you about today is that to grow spiritually, I must abide in God's Word. Let me say that again. To grow spiritually, I must abide in God's Word. 
I say this with deep love in my heart and conviction in my soul. You have very little hope of growing spiritually if you are spending very little time in the Word of God. If you want to grow closer to the Lord and if you want to grow as a spiritual person, you have to spend time in the Word of God. Why is this? Because your mind is flooded with godless thinking every day of your life. You see it. You hear it. You hear it at work. You read about it on the internet. It's all around us. Thinking that frequently is diametrically opposed to what the Scriptures teach, to the heart of the Gospel. And 30 minutes on Sunday is not enough Bible to combat this onslaught. We have to spend time in God's Word. So when we arrive at 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're seeing a relationship unfold before us. There's the Apostle Paul, who is a seasoned Christian. He's been a missionary. He's gone all over the world. And then there's this young man, Timothy, and Paul was Timothy's spiritual mentor. Paul was discipling Timothy because Timothy had a call. Timothy had a call to be a pastor. Now, we're familiar with 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, and that's where we'll ultimately land today, but we're probably not as familiar with the verses that lead up to that passage of Scripture. You see, Timothy may have been like a lot of young Christians. Whenever you come to God, you have this mindset that, I'm going to follow God, and He's going to bless me, and that the blessing of God means that things are going to go well, that life's going to be good, that people will like me. If I just do the right thing, everybody will like me. And so we sometimes get that idea in our spiritual life. But notice what Paul writes to Timothy. He says in verse 10, But you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from them all. So Paul says to young Timothy, you have seen me. You've been watching me. You've seen my character. And notice verse 10, what the, what the elements of Paul's character were. His teaching which was sound, his conduct, the way that he acted, his purpose, he had a godly purpose behind what he did. He, he was a man of faith, he was a patient man, he was a loving man, and he endured, he had long-suffering. And Paul says to Timothy, you've seen me go through all of this, this is your example, but notice this, you've also seen me persecuted. Everywhere I went. There were persecutions, Paul says. Now look at verse 12. In fact, all those who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Do you want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus? It's not a trick question. Do you want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus? Then understand this, there will be some persecution that comes into your life. That's what the Bible just said, right? Okay, it, said, it didn't say some of those, a lot of those. It said all those who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus 
will be persecuted. So, so Paul is telling Timothy, hey, hey, guess what? You're going to have some tough times to go through. Why? Because the things of God are a threat to the things of the world. And there will be some people that just come up in opposition of the things of God. And he describes that in verse 13. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. What's he saying here? Hate is going to hate. That's what he's saying there, right? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. He's saying, listen, there, there are some evil people out there. There are some people out there that just don't like the things of God. Their hearts are a long ways away. And, and if you say, hey, I, I want to be a missionary. Hey, I want to I teach this life group. Hey, I, I, I want to do this for the Lord. Uh, there's going to be some people that just don't like that. And he also says there's going to be some imposters, people that are posers. Literally, the word means magician, someone that poses as good, but they, they really are not. And this is actually tragically sad because the scriptures also say that they are deceiving and being deceived so what has happened is there are individuals in our society that have been deceived they have bought into a lie and frequently they're living their entire lives driven by that lie and the further one plunges into darkness the further you go away from God the more angry you become when you're exposed to the light of godliness did you catch that the further one runs from God, the further one plunges themselves into darkness, the more angry you become when you're exposed to the light of godliness. So this is how, this is how Paul sets up the, sec, the, the passage of Scripture. But now in verse 14, he's going to pivot. So look at verse 14. But as for you. So essentially he's saying, okay, Timothy, you're not going to be able to change some of these individuals. You're, you're not going to be able to change everything. But as for you, continue. Continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from childhood you have known the sacred Scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Can you hear the love in Paul's voice? But as for you, dear Timothy, continue. Continue in what you have learned. Don't lose sight of this. Timothy had a mother named Eunice and a grandmother named Lois who had brought him up in the faith. From the time he was a little boy, he had been taught the sacred scriptures. And in those sacred scriptures, he had found the message of salvation. And then it appears that Paul later led him to the Lord and to faith in Christ Jesus. And Paul says to Timothy, hey, remember how your mom and how your grandmother held you in their arms and they opened the Bible and they taught you the sacred scriptures. Most of you know that my mom lost her mother when my mother was just a, a small toddler. And so my mom doesn't really have visual memories of her mom. But she was telling me something the other day that I, I did not realize. She says, sometimes little children's songs will come to her mind. And she can hear, it's like she can hear her mother's voice singing them. And so my mom was speculating if 
Maybe that's, that's her memory of her mom, hearing her voice sing those little songs in her head as, as her mom rocked her at night. If you're a mother, if you're a father, if you're a grandfather, a grandmother, an aunt, an uncle, I, I want to encourage you, when you think about those children that God has placed in your life, take time to pray over them, to open the Bible and read the sacred scriptures with them. You have a responsibility to disciple them, to bring those children up in the way of the Lord. The discipleship of your children cannot be outsourced. The church comes alongside you and we help you every step of the way, but it begins with mom and dad. And the greatest moment that you can experience, the greatest moment I have ever experienced as a dad spiritually was the day that my my daughters were baptized. Because I, I'd, I'd watched them since the moment they were born, and, and, and I'd had that opportunity of journeying with them and seeing them come to faith in Christ and then profess that faith before the congregation. The Bible does not save us, but the Bible does lead us to Jesus who can save us. And through the sacred scriptures, we find what Paul describes here as the wisdom of salvation. And I just want to say, I, I am so thankful to those of you that work in the preschool ministries, those of you that work in the children's ministries, volunteer at VBS, volunteer uh, with Awana. You teach the children the Word of God. And you make an eternal difference. Paul continues in verse 16. All Scripture is inspired by God. And it is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now here's, here's my ask. Here's the whole point of what I'm talking to you about today. I want to ask you to spend time in the Word of God every day in 2019. I want to ask you to determine within your heart that I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to spend time in the Word of God. Now, don't worry. If you miss a day, I'm not going to show up at your house. Okay? Uh, This isn't legalism. This isn't Okay, pastor said I'm supposed to read the Bible every day, and so I'm going to read a scripture, and then I'm going to mark the box, and then the next day I'm going to mark another box. I mean, you may want to do that, but that's not what I'm really at. I'm not trying to just get you to have 365 boxes marked because you've read the Bible. I'm trying to encourage you and implore you and ask you to read the Bible, to abide in God's Word, Why? Because this spiritual discipline is vitally needed. If you want to know God, if you want to think like God, if you want to know His truth, if you want to grow spiritually, you must read His Word and abide in the Word. And so the passage that we're looking at, it gives us seven reasons why we need to do this. Seven reasons why we need to abide in the Word of God. The first reason is this, because the Bible is inspired by God. 
All Scripture is inspired. That literally, that word translates out as God-breathed. It's not inspired in the same way that William Shakespeare was inspired to write a play or inspired in the way that the Cowboys defeated the Seahawks last night, which was great, by the way. But inspired by God, it is God-breathed. And just a quick note, there's a lot of great Christian books out there. And I'm not again, I have a library full of books. But there is no Christian book that should take the place of the book. Make sure you're spending time in the Word of God because it's the only Christian book that's inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. A second reason why we should abide in the Word of God it's profitable. Scriptures say it's profitable. It adds to your life. It grows you. It helps you. It is one of those things that if you add this to your life every day, it has eternal and temporal benefits for you. A third thing, it teaches, Paul says. As we read the Bible, we begin to understand God. As we read the Bible, we understand what it is that we believe, things that I say. Suddenly it'll be like, oh yeah, well that, that, that makes sense. It's right here. It's right here in the Bible. It teaches us Christianity as we read the Bible. Fourth, it rebukes. <laughs> now what that means is it convicts. It shows you areas where you need to change. You ever read the Bible and you come across a passage and you're like, ouch, that kind of hurts. Because there's times where God loves you enough to tell you the truth. And the Bible will rebuke and it will shine its light into various areas of darkness in our lives. Now, when the bright light shines into your life, your first reaction is to do what? Uh, That's bright, right? But if you step into the light, eventually your eyes adjust and then you're able to see better. And that's what happens with the Word of God. It shines light into our lives. It sometimes shows us areas where we need to change. But as we follow the light, the fifth thing that it says it does is it corrects. Aren't you glad that God doesn't just point out your flaws, but He also provides solutions? You have anybody in your life that all they like to do is nitpick, gripe, complain, point out everything you should be doing? You have anybody like that? It's a beatdown, isn't it? Isn't it? But the Bible doesn't just point out, okay, well, you need to be doing this, you don't need to be doing this. But the Bible also corrects. It, it shows us, okay, well, this is what you do need. This is how you can fix this. And then six, it trains me in righteousness. As I read the Bible, I, I begin developing strength to live a godly and righteous life. It needs to be a part of your everyday training regimen. Anybody ever done couch to 5K? Yeah, sorry to bring up that bad memory. But, you know, you start out as a couch potato, and if you just follow this app, and, you know, it starts you out slow. You know, you, read, you, you run 20 seconds, and then you walk 20 seconds, and then you run 20 seconds, and then you die. But uh, it, it's, it's hard. But, but over time, you start building stamina, and it gets easier. And before you know it, uh, the race comes, and, you, and you're able to do, do the 5K. Well, there's a cumulative effect. Well, there's that cumulative effect to reading the Word of God. It trains us in righteousness. It reshapes our thinking. It strengthens us to be able. Remember what we were talking about before we got into this verse? We were talking about persecutions. And all these various persecutions that a person who desires to live a godly life will face, 
When you're abiding in the Word of God, you'll have perspective and strength to face them because you've been trained in how to live a righteous life in an unrighteous world. Seventh, the Bible matures me. It says, so that the man of God might be complete, ready to go forth with every good work. So at the end of, at the end of this, it's not about, hey, I've read the Word of God, so now I'm a, I'm a, a, a spiritually strong Christian. Everybody look at me. At the end of this is that you will go out and be able to do service for God, but you will be mature in that service. You'll be doing it for the right reasons, for God's glory, and you'll be doing it with the right perspective because you've taken time to abide in God's Word. And the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God have knit together those truths and matured you and equipped you to be that person of purpose to be that person that can truly make a difference and live life with joy and live life with those qualities that Paul described earlier. Whenever he said, he said, hey, Timothy, look at me. You, you followed my teaching. You, you know my conduct, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance. Do you want people to be able to see that in your life? To be able to look at your life and see that you are a godly person, for people to be able to look at your life and see that, for your children to be able to see that in you, you're going to have to spend time abiding in God's Word and letting Him feed you and strengthen you and mature you. So would you guys bow your heads? The musicians are going to come. And in a few moments, uh, we're going to sing. I'm here to pray with you always. My wife's here with me today. If there's anything she can pray with you about, we'd love to pray with you. But as our heads are bowed, I, I, I want to ask you, will you determine that in 2019, you're going to spend time in God's Word? You're going to try to set aside a time every day where you open the Bible and you just read God's Word. Will you make that determination? Will that be something you do this year? As our heads are bowed and we enter into a season of prayer, let's make this commitment to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we desire to be the people that You have called us to be. And Lord, we realize that You have shown us Yourself through Your Word. And I pray that our Bibles will not collect dust. I pray that reading Your Word will not just be something that we do for 30 minutes or an hour on Sunday. But I pray that we will truly abide in Your Word. And Father, we realize that as we abide in Your Word, that You're going to grow us and mature us. You're going to help us. Sometimes You're going to show us areas where we need to change. But Father, we make this commitment, we make this determination in our soul because we as a church, we as individuals, we as families, we want to be spiritually mature. Lord, we do not want to just be satisfied with friendships and activities, we want to be satisfied with You and in You. 
And so I thank you that you are not a detached deity that created us and then left, left us alone. But you are a loving God who has revealed yourself to us over and over again. So may we be trained in righteousness and equipped for every good work. And Father, as we take the truth that we see in your Bible into the world around us, and even as we face persecution and opposition, may we have strength of character, patience of soul, because we have abided in your word, and we have strength of spirit that comes from you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.